Okay, good evening and welcome to the December 6, 2023 meeting of the San Francisco Board of Appeals. President Rick Swig will be the presiding officer tonight and he is joined by Vice President Jose Lopez, Commissioner John Trisvina, Commissioner Alex Lemberg, and we expect Commissioner J.R. Epler shortly. Also present is Deputy City Attorney Jen Huber, who will provide the board with any needed legal advice. At the controls is the board's legal assistant, Alec Longway, and I'm Julie Rosenberg, the board's executive director. We will also be joined by representatives from the city departments that will be presenting before the board this evening. Tina Tam, the deputy zoning administrator representing the planning department. Matthew Green, deputy director, inspection services for the Department of Building Inspection and Chris Buck, Urban Forester, representing San Francisco Public Works, Bureau of Urban Forestry. The board meeting guidelines are as follows. The board requests that you turn off or silence all phones and other electronic devices so they will not disturb the proceedings. No eating or drinking in the hearing room. The board's rules of presentation are as follows. Appellants, permit holders, and department respondents each are given seven minutes to present their case and three minutes for rebuttal. People affiliated with these parties must include their comments within these seven or three minute periods. For jurisdiction requests, the parties are given three minutes each with no rebuttal. Members of the public who are not affiliated with the parties have up to three minutes each to address the board and no rebuttal. Mr. Longway, our legal assistant, will give you a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Four votes are required to grant an appeal or to modify a permit or determination or to grant a rehearing or jurisdiction request. If you have any questions about requesting a rehearing, the board rules or hearing schedules, please email board staff at boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, public access and participation are of paramount importance to the board. SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming this hearing live, and we will have the ability to receive public comment for each item on today's agenda. SFGov TV is also providing closed captioning for this meeting. To watch the hearing on TV, go to SFGov TV cable channel 78. Please note that it will be rebroadcast on Fridays at 4 p.m. on channel 26. A link to the live stream is found on the homepage of our website at sfgov.org forward slash BOA. Now, public comment can be provided in three ways. One, in person. Two, via Zoom. Please go to our website and click on hearings, then the Zoom link. Uh, or three, it, public comment can be provided by telephone. Call 1-669-900-6833 and enter webinar ID 837-0888-8150. And SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming the phone number and access instructions across the bottom of the screen if you are watching the live stream or broadcast. Now to block your phone number when calling in, first dial star six seven, then the phone number. Listen for the public comment portion for your item to be called and dial star nine, which is the equivalent of raising your hand so that we know you want to speak. You will be brought into the hearing when it is your turn. You may have to dial star six to unmute yourself. You will have three minutes. Our legal assistant will provide you with a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Please note that there is a delay between the live proceedings and what is broadcast and live streamed on TV and the internet. Therefore, it is very important that people calling in reduce or turn off the volume on their TVs or computers. Otherwise, there is interference with the meeting. If any of the participants or attendees on Zoom need a disability accommodation or technical assistance, you can make a request in the chat function to Alec Longway, the board's legal assistant, or send an email to boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, the chat function cannot be used to provide public comment or opinions. Please note that we'll take public comment first from those members of the public who are phys physically present in the hearing room. Now, we will swear in or affirm all those who intend to testify. Please note that any member of the public may speak without taking an oath pursuant to their rights under the Sunshine Ordinance. If you intend to testify at any of tonight's proceedings and wish to have the board give your testimony evidentiary weight, raise your right hand and say, I do, after you've been sworn in or affirmed. 
Do you swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. Okay. Thank you. If you are a participant and you're not speaking, uh, please put your Zoom speaker on mute. So I believe I just got a message from Commissioner Epler. Let me just check. Um, he will be here shortly, but we can move ahead Is that uh, with our items. Okay, so commissioners, we do have one housekeeping item. The parties for item six, appeal number 23-052 at 1208 Stanton Street have come to an agreement. They would like you to grant the appeal and issue the order on the condition it be revised to allow for the removal of the subject tree with the requirement that the appellants plant a 36-inch box replacement tree on the uphill side of the existing tree species to be determined by Buff, Bureau of Urban Forestry. This motion is made on the basis that the location of the existing tree is the only feasible site for the underground electrical vault, which will provide power to the property, and the Bureau of Urban Forestry supports this outcome. I believe it's item five. I'm, I'm sorry, item five. Thank you. Yes, you're correct, item five. So moved. Okay, do we have any public comment on this item? Please raise your hands. Okay, I don't see any public comment. So on the motion by Commissioner Lemberg, uh, Vice President Lopez. Aye. Commissioner Trezvina. Aye. President Swig. Aye. So that motion carries four to zero, and the appeal is granted with those conditions. Thank you to the parties for working together. So we are now moving on to item number one, which is general public comment. This is an opportunity for anyone who'd like to speak on a matter within the board's jurisdiction, but that is not on tonight's calendar. Is there any member of the public who wishes to speak in, on an item that's not on the calendar? Mr. Bruno, please approach. Can you hear me through this or is it? Okay. I'm ready to start. Um, my name is Mark Bruno and I live at 15 Nobles Alley. Um, it's been commented by the board that you all don't want to hear too much about the same issues over and again if you feel you've decided it. I don't want to come here over and again and I wanted to point out here, if you can see the screen. Overhead, please. It's not that important. It's, I can show it to you here, but Okay. Overhead, please. They were wasting time. This is simply it's okay. a poster. We can pause your time. Yeah, I, I pause you, the time. Oh, you cut it out? You're, you're giving me back the time? Yes. Because that was like 15. I have to use the three minutes. I'm sorry. Okay. Overhead, please. SFGov TV. It's, it's good to have okay, he's it calling. because I need it for something else. Okay. Hello? <laughs> I didn't touch it. Did you break it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I didn't break it. Oh. <laughs> Looks like it's showing up there. Oh, right there. Yeah, it's strange. It's weird. Mm. Sorry about that. Well, I have one of the flyers. If we, do you want to pass it down? It's your, yeah, that's is fine. this I about you're going to interview someone? The flyer is secondary. The flyers are just to say, so how are you going to do the time so that I know where I am? <laughs> I, I, we'll oh, just okay, start over. Okay. okay, thanks. 
The flyer is just to show you what else I'm doing with my life, other than coming here, because uh, I'm interviewing John King next week. And I'm supposed to have three interesting questions, and so far I only have two interesting questions. So there's many reasons for me not to come here. I'm coming because the simple questions asked, uh, and, and important ones asked by this board on September 27th, have yet to be answered by the building department. They were very simple. I remember, and if you go back in time, you'll remember too, because two of you got very passionately involved asking Mr. Green, why can't we know what else is going on in the building where Mr. Bruno lives? If there's other illegal work being done, we, the Board of Appeals, would like to know. We think we have the right to know that. So why can't, and, and it went back and forth, and eventually uh, the board, uh, the building department agreed that you could know that, and either would send out a man named Robert Farrow to find out. He eventually reported, after your decision was made, um, in favor of my appeal, the decision was in favor of the appeal, that uh, there's no work being done, no illegal work being done, and yet we have a report here now given to all of us, given to the public by Mr. Green that tells us on this, my second page, that when Mr. Farrow went, he only looked at the three units told by the owner to look at. Well, it's kind of a tautology to say, oh yeah, you look at these three units that I've just decided to work on, you'll see I haven't started work on them. Well, yeah, clearly he hadn't started work. But at that same moment, a coworker of Mr. Farrow, another employee of the Department of Building Inspection, another plumbing inspector, had already determined that there's a whole bunch of illegal work being done. And Mr. Allen, that other inspector who inspected it on the 25th of August, is all cited by the report just given to you by Mr. Green. He has all the NOVs in the building. And the third or fourth one down says Michael Allen, plumbing inspector, and it has this long number, August 25th, that's pretty recent and it tells you it's a plumbing violation, working outside the uh, scope of a permit, why should anybody in the building have their cake and eat it too? In other words, you all said to the building department, go ahead and tell Mr. Owner, the permit holder, that he may choose whichever three of the six units he wants to work on. So he chose three that he hadn't worked on yet at all, but he still has the one over here that he's working on illegally by your own record, so now he's really working on four having his cake and eating it too. Why wasn't the fourth, why wasn't one of the three the building unit he was already working on? That would make the most sense. That would be consistent with the code and it would be fair to the people who live there instead. And he now has four units he can work on. It's totally, um, it's nonsensical and it's not consistent with what the board asked the building department to do. Thank you. Thank you. President Zwick. Mr. Green. Uh, I don't think your speakers, your microphone's on. Oh, this, is this mic? All right. We got dueling mics. I got, I got two mics to choose from. Uh, Mr. Green, you submitted a document related to um, our request a couple of weeks ago. Um, what I would like you to do is please uh, give us a, a clear summary of that document. And what I noticed in the document was a slew of, and I'm going to gloss over it, a slew of NOVs. And, um, and what I was left with was, okay, what now? Because sometimes, uh, and this, has, this not only has something to do with the subject at hand, but also 
just always bugs me in the back of my mind when, uh, and it has nothing to do, this is not criticism on the, uh, with DBI, it's just like, what the hell happens when you know, we have these cases where, you know, they have an outside standing NOV and they have to deal with that and we're left with that. And sometimes I wonder, well, whatever happened to the NOV on that case that we found contentious? So, um, so, so what I'd like you to do is one, summarize uh, for the public and ourselves uh, your letter, but also would you address basically what the hell hap is going to happen with all those NOVs where clearly uh, there is, there's been some um, uh, work that has not exactly been according to w the way it's supposed to be. Okay. I'm Pres staying away from the word. Are you, word illegal. Right. Are you asking President to speak now or write a report? Swig, yeah. because this item hasn't been agendized yeah. yet, I want to advise the commission against having a discussion on it. My recommendation would be that we put it on the agenda for a future meeting so that Mr. Green can address it. I'm concerned that we haven't included it on our agenda for this meeting. Um, so... So we have testimony uh, in, in public comment. I, I understand your point of view. We had a submission by Mr. Green, which is uh, it is part of public comment. So it has been. So can I re review my question and ask him not to, to comment on the NOVs, but just summarize, uh, acknowledge that there was a letter that he sent. And if he would summarize the substance of that letter since it's public information anyway, is that okay? I think it would be fine for Mr. Green to summarize the letter and describe, you know, as what was set forth therein. And I just advise the commission against engaging in a discussion about it or um, allowing Mr. Green to respond to the, the other points made. I, I think it's perfectly reasonable for him to discuss what was already disclosed. Okay, great. And which is posted on our website, the yeah. letter. So uh, that's that, that's fine. As long as the other commissioners don't come in with a bunch of questions back and forth and we get into a big discussion, blah, blah, blah. Okay. You got the drill, please? So you want me so just uh, you want I'd me to like summarize? I'd like you to summarize the the letter, and I guess you got to leave out the what's going to happen to the NOVs part, other than um, say that. Well, I did discuss that in the letter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> as far as you went in the letter, then. Okay. Thank you. Um, so the, this this it was an email actually. It was an email in response right. to your um, some of the comments that Mr. Bruno has made um, in public comment here. Um, one of the main concerns was. Uh, well, I don't know which was the main concern, but he, he did uh, discuss us using the phrase reinstated for the permits, um, which is the appropriate action. We, we do that with the permits that come before the Board of Appeals all the time. Once the appeal is filed, we suspend the permit. After you make your decision, we either reinstate the permit or we revoke the permit. Um, so so um, the first part of the letter was just correcting that item. Uh, second part of the letter was... Um, if you recall, um, I agreed to send out a senior building, senior plumbing inspector to investigate the property uh, that was subject of the, the plumbing permit that was originally appealed. Um, and I did. I, I sent uh, one of the senior plumbing, a very senior plumbing inspector. He's been there nearly 30 years. Uh, he knows the whole process. He went out there with the uh, property owner, and he, he let me know that uh, the work under this permit was in the three units at the front of the property, the ones facing Union Street. Um, he also said there was no other work on at the time. 
Um, Mr. Bruno uh, disputed that, um, whether, whether Mr. or Inspector Farrow had gone to his unit. Um, I'd agreed, I thought it'd be best, okay, I'll go out there with Mr. Farrell and mis meet Mr. Bruno just so there's no confusion and no mis miscommunication. Um, we did have an inspection scheduled. Unfortunately, it had to be canceled. I say in the letter that whenever Mr. Bruno's ready, I'll be happy to go out there. Um, then we mentioned the, the, the um, there, there are several notices of violation at this property, uh, current ones, a six. We have one order of abatement for, for the one about the wall uh, at the basement. I know Mr. in previous, things, uh, previous meetings, Mr. Bruno has shown pictures of this wall where all the plaster has been removed. Um, that is a violation. We have a notice of violation. It's gone through the code enforcement process. There are a couple other notice of violation from our housing inspectors division for more general maintenance issues. Uh, those two are still outstanding. Um, actually, all, all five more notice of violations are outstanding. Two have been set up for uh, the code enforcement process, meaning there's going to be hearings. Um, and, you know, if the work is not done, another order of abatement will be placed against the property. Um, I, I attached all the notice of violation and the complaint data um, sheets explaining the code history, or sorry, the, um, the, uh, the complaint history of the process. Um, I'd be happy to talk about what a director's hearing is and what that actually means, if that's okay. I did mention it in my letter. Sure, and, and also what you uh, might want to uh, define is code enforcement and the process of code enforcement. Sure. Is that fair? Thank you. So um, I'll just start at the beginning of a general case. Say so, uh, someone files a complaint, an inspector will go out and investigate. If they find that the complaint is valid, they'll write what's called a notice of violation. In general, you'll give a set amount of time and, uh, to make the corrections. It's generally 30 days. Uh, the, the corrections may or may not require a building permit or plumbing permit or electrical permit, depending on the violations. If at the end of that 30 days or other time frame the work is not done, uh, what we'll do is we'll send a warning letter to the property owner. Uh, if he still doesn't heed the property, the warning letter, we'll set this case up for what we call a director's hearing. Now a hearing, it's a public hearing at the Department of Building Inspection. Uh, we notify everybody with any interest in the property, meaning the property owners, uh, the lenders, anybody with a recorded interest in the property. It's a public hearing. Uh, the, we want the owners can show up or any, any, anybody else can come in any case. There's a uh, director's hearing officer. He has uh, several options of what, once the case is heard, he can return the case to staff if he thinks it could be resolved uh, easily. He can give what's an advisement, say a 30-day advisement, meaning you're on the clock now, make the, all these corrections with permits signed off within 30 days, otherwise an order of abatement is going to be issued. Now, the order of abatement is a recorded document against the property. Um, it, it's, um, it's, it's, it's recorded against the property. Once it's recorded, the property owner is responsible for all the assessments of costs um, accrued by the department setting up the case. Um, the order of abatement won't be lifted until the, all the work is completed and all the assessments of costs are paid. Um, that's, that's one tool we have. Um, the, the next step is these order of abatements will stay there until the property owner makes corrections, pays all the assessments. Then we will revoke the order of abatement. Um, so you might be thinking, well, they could just not make the corrections and the order is going to stay there forever. We have, we have other tools as well. Um, after 180 days, uh, we can uh, notify the Franchise Tax Board that this is a substandard building, meaning um, 
you can't, you can't uh, write off any expenses or taxes, stuff like that. That's one tool we have. We also have, an, we have a litigation committee within the Department of Building Inspection. If we think uh, cases are serious enough, we'll refer it to the city attorney. No, sorry, we'll refer it to our Building Inspection Commission litigation committee, and they can decide whether they want to refer this to the uh, city attorney for further litigation. Um, and the litigation would be the, the final step or the, our biggest hammer. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. thank you. Is there any further general public comment? Please raise your hand. I don't see anybody on Zoom. Um, I'm sorry, you're, you already had your opportunity. Well, you can contact me tomorrow and, and I will have a discussion with President Swig. Okay, thank you. Okay, so I don't see any further general public comments, so we're gonna move on to item number two, commissioner comments and questions. Any comments and, and questions? Okay, happy Hanukkah to all of you starting tomorrow for the week and have a, a, a merry, merry Christmas season. Okay. Uh, John Trudzvina. Thank, thank you, President Swig, for following up on the previous matter, and it would be my hope that we can uh, schedule a further discussion, agendize it for next week's meeting rather than January. Thank you. Is there any public comment on this item? You, you, you can provide public comment now. Mr. Um, Green mentions in his letter to you of two days ago, which I just received this morning, that we had a pleasant talk, which we did at the building department, and I always have pleasant talks with Mr. Green, and I learn things as well. I was there to meet with code enforcement. So since he brought up the words code enforcement, I will tell you that they are the ones who told me, oh, look, here is the direction to the world from the building department. It says, revision to regular permit, typed out, for all of us to read from the building department. If your permit was issued and you need to make revisions, it later says if it's from the Board of Appeals, revisions from this board, you must apply for a new permit. So I have every right to be questioning as a non-attorney why it was the norm to call it a reinstatement. It could be called a reinstatement. I think it's incorrect. It's a misuse of the term reinstatement in the law because here in the building department's warning to, build, to permit holders, if it needs to be, if you need to make revisions, you must apply for a new permit. The other thing they showed me, I'm sorry, I don't have my glasses, but I can uh, tell you here, it says, I'm sorry, I need my glasses. I pause time. Um, and I'll be brief. So the point is, they also showed me plumbing mechanical permit issuance and inspection fees. This is an amendment to the current building code which applies to all the codes. It's on pages 52 and 53. A separate permit is required for each structure. Oh, can you read these under here now? It's Overhead? Yeah, I mean, if it were. I don't know if it's working. I gotta. Shall I leave this with you? It's, 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 I have a copy of it. I mean, you can all see it because it's, it's from the building code, pages 52 and 53, pointed out to me by the code enforcement group. <coughs> Plumbing mechanical permit issuance and inspection fees. 
A, permit application shall show a complete itemization of the proposed scope of the work and select the appropriate fee category, okay? B, us, this is what I'm pointing out and what was pointed out to me. A separate permit is required, this is for plumbing, for each structure, condominium, condominium unit, existing apartment unit, high-rise office floor, suite, or tenant space. In a modern city, which we hope we all live in, I think we do, it is not surprising to me that by now in 2023, I'm not the first person in the history of San Francisco who has had these issues where a landlord says, oh, I'm just doing uh, 15 nobles, might be six, might be five, might be three units, might be the basement, might be the illegal ADU. I don't know, whatever I feel like, because I'm in charge. That was the way the world was in the 19th century and maybe through post-World War II. Certainly since 2000, I would think that- seconds. The that the building department has gotten itself together and the codifiers, the codifiers, the legislators, and they have indeed done that by answering the question that would have prevented me from ever having this issue with my landlord, so-called permit holder, to begin with. If this had been followed, meaning a separate permit is required for each structure, comma, condominium unit, existing apartment unit, et cetera, we wouldn't have had this issue. The city is telling the permit holder to do it right. And it wasn't done right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Is there any further public comment on this item? Okay, seeing none, we will move on to item number three, the adoption of the minutes. Commissioners, before you for discussion of possible adoption are the minutes of the November 15th, 2023 meeting. Uh, commissioners, do you have a motion or comments? I move that we approve the minutes as presented. Thank you. Okay. On that motion, Vice President Lopez. Aye. Commissioner Trisvina? Aye. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. President Swig? Aye. So that motion carries five to zero and the minutes are adopted. So we are now moving on to item number four. This is jurisdiction request number 23-4, subject property at 99 St. Germain Avenue. Letter from Edward Yee, requester, asking that the board take jurisdiction over alteration permit number 2022-0804-9876, which was issued on October 5th, 2023. The appeal period ended on October 20th, 2023, and the jurisdiction request was filed at the board office on November 6th. The permit holder is Lisa and Patrice Gautier. And the permit description, install a new dumbwaiter elevator, including all structural supports as needed. Add structurally reinforced concrete retaining wall and infill concrete slab. Replace stucco wall below stairs. Uh, waterproofing over mechanical room and tile replacement as needed. Area drains, plans traveling with permit number 2022 Thank you. And Mr. Can, e? can you please remind the board, please, what this, the standard is and what we are uh, expected to uh, okay, so reach, how, how we are expected to reach a decision or the, the standard for the decision, please? Uh, the requester has to show that the city intentionally or inadvertently uh, caused him to be late in filing an appeal. Okay. And so that, re that takes four votes in order to get that granted. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome, Mr. Yee. You have three minutes. I've been here so many times that I can't fathom uh, the hours that I have addressed this board, number one. Number two, I am a physician, and this crisis of, uh, has made me essentialist uh, 
event, crisis, crisis, personal crisis. I have been so generous to my neighbor, and unfortunately, unfortunately, the board has uh, been complicit to my understanding of what are my rights. I was not given, we were not given, our neighbors were not given, uh, the permit of what was to, to be done. Now, this has happened many years ago. And unfortunately for me, uh, I turn a blind eye. Okay, my fault, my mind. Because I'm a physician, my raison d'etre is not to harm people. I took an oath. But unfortunately, over the last seven years, since the Gautiers, they have harmed us in so many ways. I, I, I probably could spend the next 12 hours delivering this. And I conjured this concept uh, to the judge, Curtis Curtin, last week. This is legalized terrorism. I've been, we, my wife and I have been terrorized so many times. And I will more than happy to present to the board a litany of pictures where we have been terrorized. I ask simply that maybe, maybe you can have some empathy, not, not sympathy, empathy, empathy for us. Because the last seven years, it's been bombardment of issues. Notably, less than a year ago. 30 seconds. Go ahead. You have 30 seconds, okay. Mr. G. A year ago, I was assaulted. And this past month, I was robbed by the guiltiers on multiple, multiple elements of private property. Now, is asymmetric warfare. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 74 years old. I'm sorry. You know, they have commandeer, commandeer of so much of the easement areas, which I'd be more than happy to deliver. Thank you. That's time. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Yee. We have uh, some questions from President Swig, Commissioner Lemberg, and Commissioner Trisvigna. President Swig? Sorry. Uh, Dr. Lee, uh, I am probably, as the senior member of this panel, I, we, we are, we are uh, we've met before as you've been in, in front of us because I'm familiar with your case and I'm sorry for your pain. The, what we, and I asked uh, Ms. Rosenberg about what is the standard that we have to make it, uh, based on our, our decision on tonight. And that is that the city aired or uh, or was late or uh, had a problem in, in getting out the proper notice to um, uh, for you to appeal this uh, this permit, and that's how we have to base our decision on. Uh, I know you've gone through a lot of stuff. I've been witness to your a lot of stuff. I've read the the briefs, but I have to ask you the direct question. Um, because that's the only way that we can make a decision. Did the city err in, in 
getting in noticing you and cause you to miss the opportunity to appeal this permit? Absolutely. In what and, way? And, and also in previous events. I just, just I, in this I, 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 I'm not, I'm not debate this. I'm just saying absolutely. Yeah. I'm trying to be empathetic and understanding. You can see because I've 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 lived this this case from before. So can you tell us, please, how the city aired and abused your your process of uh, appealing this permit? My understanding is that uh, the surrounding community, including myself, should be notified. We were never 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 notified. Okay, and uh, and then I'll ask in in follow up to uh, planning or DBI whose jurisdiction it is. Uh, tell us about the notification process. So I just ask them. Thank you. Um, I'm going to yield to uh, Commissioner Trezvigne. Thank you, President Swigin. Thank you, Doctor, for your testimony. If I could just follow up, notification of what? Well, they're doing a planning of um, multiple egress on the easement area. So we were never notified. In fact, during our 311 discussion, they never addressed the issues that I had asked our concern. That is, they've had egress into the easement area to I'll use a sport term. We were boxed out. We were boxed out in going Thanks. forward with our ADA elevator enlargement on our pro side of the property. Okay, D Doctor, you, well, I asked you about when you had said to President Swig, you were not notified, and neither were other resident, other neighbors. Can we expect? Anybody else to testify who was similarly harmed or just you tonight? I believe the uh, protocol is simply to notify anybody, everybody, during that 150 feet surrounding if there is more debate or public interest. And that's why I'm Okay, going back, I'm just answering the question simply. We were not notified. I have asked my neighbors. We were not notified. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Lemberg. Thank you, Dr. Yee. I'm, I'm struggling a little bit here because the your neighbors in their brief cited to uh, and, and provided a copy of the um, the permit that was actually signed by your wife uh that is the uh what we're calling a mirror permit uh that because this to conduct this work it requires uh two permits one for your property and one for the neighbor's property and they provided a permit that was signed by your wife uh on behalf of your property is that not did did that not happen or uh, how what you am i missing what? here unfortunately my wife is at an age where we don't communicate well. Unfortunately, I'm, 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 I'm telling you things that 
very private. So I was hoping that she would be here tonight uh, because of our aging elements, uh, her uh, mental issues, my physical issues. But nevertheless, I'm here to argue, not argue, to deliberate my concerns of not being informed. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. You can be seated. Thank you. Okay, we will now hear from the attorney for the permit holders, Ms. Emily Charlie. Welcome. You have three minutes. Thank you, and good evening. My name is Emily Charlie. I have the pleasure of representing the GOTAs. Before I begin, I would like to categorically deny claims of robbery or any other criminal activity. That is as categorically false as Dr. Yi's claim that he was not notified. Uh, Dr. Yi's request that this body retake jurisdiction does not even purport to meet the applicable standards, and he was able to offer nothing here today to cure that defect in his request. In addition, the jurisdictional request completely lacks merit. The Yi's signed off on the, merit per the, the permit application that as you noted, it is a mirror application. And it's not just that Mrs. Yee signed off on this. Both Dr. Yee and Mrs. Yee represented to Judge Carno that they were willing to do so in our contempt proceedings. In addition, the application that they're seeking right now, that this body retake jurisdiction lacks merit because they were court ordered to facilitate the permit application that is at issue here. Finally, the alleged concerns that Dr. Yee now expresses in his jurisdiction request were already addressed in full not only by his engineer, but also by the court. As Commissioner Trezvinia said the last time we appeared before this body in response to another of these actions, quote, the Gautiers have suffered enough, end quote. So the facts here are clear, as described in our response and also within the city's own records. So frankly, unless there are any questions, I see no reason to belabor this hearing or expend any more time or energy to the detriment of my clients. I'll close with Commissioner Lopez's note last time that, quote, this has gone on long enough. Okay, thank you. I don't see any questions at this point, so we will hear from the planning department. Good evening, President Swig, Vice President Lopez, members of the board, I'm Tina Tam, Deputy Zoning Administrator. This is a jurisdiction request from Dr. Edwin Lee for building permit number 2022-08049876. This permit was issued on October the 5th, 2023 to Lisa and Patrice Gautier, the property owners of 99 St. Germain. Dr. Yee, who is the adjacent neighbor at 95 St. Germain, stated that he had missed the deadline for filing an appeal because he was staying in place and never got the posting. The scope of work for the permit is to install a new elevator at the front of the property. Because the elevator will straddle both 95 and 99 St. Germain, both owners, the Gautiers and the Yees, had to consent and submit separate permits for the elevator project. The Yees provided authorization, so both permits, permit ending in 9876 for the Gautiers and the permit ending in 9878 for the Yees were filed on the same day and concurrently reviewed, approved, and issued 
under the same timeline. Based on planning department's record, mail notices for the new elevators were sent to all owners and residents within 100 feet radius of the property. In preparation for this hearing tonight, I double-checked and confirmed that the yees were included in the list for the mail notice. In addition, we have a signed affidavit from the Gautiers that the 311 poster was posted on the property for 30 days between December 16, 2022 through January 16, 2023. During this 30-day <coughs> review period, the planet did not receive any DRs for the permit. While Dr. Lee stated that he has safety concerns about the new elevator, he did not provide further details. He also did not provide any evidence as to how the city intentionally or inadvertently caused him to be late in filing an appeal. Dr. Lee had multiple opportunities to object to the permit. However, he did not object when the opportunities were made available to him or do so in a timely manner. While I understand Dr. Yi still has concerns for the, for the permit, um, the permit was issued correctly. As such, the department is asking the board to deny the jurisdiction request on the basis that the city did not intentionally or inadvertently cause the requester to be late in filing the appeal. That concludes my presentation. Happy to answer any questions. Thank you. President Swig? Um, I'm just going to state, uh, ask the obvious, expecting an affirmative question. Uh, so I heard there was a letter mailed, there was a posting, uh, there was additional commentary, and so it wasn't exactly, there was nothing that got in the way of notifying uh, the doctor about this permit, right? The permit triggered Section 311 neighborhood notification. That was done. We have a mailing list. Um, Dr. Yi um, is on this list. We have an um, email from the third-party vendor, RepoMail, who does the mailing, um, stating that the mail did go out on December 16th, and it ran for 30 days, and no, no DR was filed during that 30-day period. And so all the boxes were checked. Metaphorically, all the boxes were checked. There's nothing. I believe so. Right. We didn't see any errors okay. made on our part by the city in regarding this permit. Right. So the, the, the thing that makes me scratch my head, because we've been involved in quite a few lately where, um, you know, the project is touching both, both property lines. And so we've, there's been two recently where one didn't go along with, you know, one went along with the issuing the permit, but the one that, that where the project touched the other property line, it didn't, and therefore that we learned about, you can't have a permit unless both sides do it. In this case, both sides did it, both sides signed it, and that, but how, how can you appeal a permit that you actually filed for? This is what, how does that happen? Well, there are two permits. Okay. Okay, one for each property, right. but it's for the same elevator. It's yeah. only one elevator. Yeah, so the city processed concurrently both of these permits under the same <laughs> timeline. They cross-reference each other. Right. Um, so for the, the same, same scope, project, doing the same scope, same everything. Mm -hmm, same set of plans. Same set of plans, mm -hmm. and, and both parties sign off on this permit, yet one could actually appeal the other guy's permit even though they signed off on the same permit basically possibly i mean if it's if, kind if, of quizzical isn't it 
I can't answer that. I mean, the permit is appealable by anybody. Right. Um, it is a little st strange. Strange if you yeah. want to appeal something that you gave authorization to just, move forward with. Just asking, I'm just confused. How how can somebody who signs off on exactly the same permit challenge the, the same permit? That's certainly not a question for me. Okay, I, I was just wondering, and but more importantly, all the boxes were checked. Everything was the notification, 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 timely fashion, signs posted, no issues on your from your point of view. Yes, from, from my research. Okay, thanks very much. Thank you, Commissioner Trisvenia has a question. Ms. Tam. Thank, Thank you, you for your testimony and covering so many aspects of this. Are you familiar with Judge Carnow's order from 2020? I am not super familiar. I did see um, some attachments um, in the response brief. Um, I'm not intimately familiar with um, all the details. Well, I, but I, I do know that there's been a number of court proceedings related to the elevator and the easement between these two parties. Well, I want to read from part of the order. It's on page 22 of the 64 page of submissions. And it says, the Yees shall not object to the city issuing permits necessary to build the replacement elevator described below in section 3B, which talks about the replacement elevator. Does that language apply to this permit and elevator? If you are aware, I would I would think so because this is only one elevator. This is the same one that's being um, the subject that's discussed. And perhaps this could be a question for the council for the permit holder. Okay. I, I I I may ask that. I, I was hoping you might be able to shed some light on it, and, and you have. So thank you. Okay, thank you. You can be seated. We will now hear from the Department of Building Inspection. Um, good evening again, Commissioners. Matthew Green, uh, representing the Department of Building Inspection. I, I don't have much to add. There are two building permits here, one for 95 St. Germain, one for 99 St. Germain. It's the exact same language on both permit applications. It shares one set of plans. It went through the whole process concurrently with the same plan checkers at each, each stage. Um, the um, appellant's wife did sign the original permit application. I verified her signature with another permit application from previously. Um, I would concur with... Um, Tina Tam from the Planning Department. I don't think there's any grounds for uh, jurisdiction and um, encourage you to turn down the request. I'm available for any questions you may have. Thank you. I don't see any questions. Is there any public comment on this item? Please raise your hand. I don't see anyone on Zoom. And Commissioner Trezvina, you said before you wanted to ask a question of Permit Holders Council, or because we're going to move on. I was going to submit this since we don't have any public comment. There's no rebuttal for there's no rebuttal then I okay. don't need I don't have a need to ask the question okay thank you so there's no public comment so commissioners this matter is submitted commissioners anybody want to comment on this or make a motion somebody want to push the button commissioner Chazunia I will move to deny the request for jurisdiction on the grounds that there's been no testimony that the city took any action or failed to take action to uh, deny any rights of the mover of the, uh, any, any rights of the requester. Okay. Okay, so 
The city did not intentionally or inadvertently cause the requester to be late in filing the appeal. That's what I heard. Yeah. Okay, thank you. So on that motion, Vice President Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. President Swig? Aye. So that motion carries five to zero and the request is denied. So we are now moving on to item number six. This is a special item, discussion of possible action. On October 17, 2023, the Board of Supervisors discontinued remote public comment by members of the public, except as necessary for disability accommodations. See section 1.3.3 of the Board of Supervisors Rules of Order and Board of Supervisors file number 231020. The instructions from the mayor's office are that all commissions shall also adopt the Board of Supervisors new rule and not allow remote public comment, except when necessary to accommodate a disability. The mayor's office has further directed that all presenters from departments shall attend commission meetings in person. The board will consider whether to end remote public comment except as necessary for a disability accommodation. The board will also consider whether to re require department representatives and parties to attend meetings in person and to end remote par meeting participation, participation for such persons except as necessary for a disability accommodation. So... President Swig, did you want to start off the conversation? Sure. Um, com commissioners, I, I strongly recommend that you accept the mayor's direction on this um, request. Uh, the grounds, my view on it, uh, is that prior to COVID, um, the, the way the mayor is requesting that we conduct our business was the standard operating procedure. Uh, it worked well. Um, I didn't feel that prior, to, both in serving on this commission and prior to that, the Redevelopment Agency Commission, that any member of the public really was harmed in any way uh, by having to show up. Um, and no member of the public, if they had a, uh, a disability or something that justified a remote participation, was ever uh, resisted from enjoying that liberty and that opportunity. Um, so I, I would be in support of the mayor's uh, request um, and, and so we can go back to the future and go, go back to what I consider standard operating procedure pre-COVID. Uh, Commissioner Lemberg. Thank you, President Swig. Um, I have a very different opinion on this. I, I've been on this board about a year and a half now. Um, and certainly remote public comment and remote appearances have been the standard the entire time I've been on this board. And uh, I just don't see any downside to keeping it. Um, I don't, you know, I, I think there's any number of reasons that somebody might have above and beyond a disability accommodation that uh, would lead to somebody potentially not wanting to appear in person to provide public comment. Um, not to mention the actual disability uh, rights and disability access portion of this, which obviously would remain intact anyway. Um, but the fact is that we have, um, we have all the technology set up and we've been successfully using it for several years and, and preceding my, my time on this board as well. Um, I will also add that I was, well, I know I can't say that, but um, I, it is my understanding that uh, that the mayor's request is not a mandate on us, and I, because it's not a mandate on us, I, I would, uh, I would be 
pretty resistant to uh, to ending remote public comment and remote appearances. And in fact, I would be in favor of increasing the ability to uh, to appear remotely. Although certainly, I think it's a good idea for people to appear in person when whenever possible. Uh, and I, I, I certainly appreciate it having you know either parties or public commenters in the hearing room with us. Um, and I think that does add. But I think there's any number of reasons why um, why allowing to continue remote public comment is a good idea. Um, and really no active downsides to, uh, to it either. So that's, that's my stance on this. And I would um, not be supportive of a motion to end public comment. Uh, Commissioner Transvenia. Uh, th thank you, President Swig. And I would like to note that uh, under the text of the special item, this seems to be precipitated from an action taken by the Board of Supervisors, which I fully supported because I saw and heard, and we all heard, the abusive nature of some of the non-present uh, members of the community who spoke with profanity and other ways to at the board meetings, Board of Supervisors meetings. That has never been the problem here. Uh, in fact, I, as, as Commissioner Lemberg points out, um, I, and I agree, the, the ability for members of the public uh, to participate in our proceedings is only enhanced by, by this use of technology being, being available vir virtually. I also would, well, I, I appreciate getting a, instructions from the mayor and I certainly would strong, very much hesitate um, declining the mayor's request or instruction or direction, however it is described. I, I think that we are hurt, uh, the quality of our decisions is harmed, not only when we don't get full public testimony, but also when we don't get testimony from the departments. And there have been many times, in many cases, where we've had virtual testimony from the experts from various departments, not just DBI and, and planning, but also from the people who do the smoking cases and the, the state environmental people. And we start our meetings at 5 p.m. That's after the traditional workday for most city employees. Now the managers, the, the leaders that, that, that we see every, who come before us every, every time, that, that's part of the job is to, is to Chris Buck and, and Tina, et cetera. Uh, but for the, for the experts, I think we should do what, at least find out what the impact of this, of our requiring them to be here in person, maybe at 6 o'clock, maybe at 9 o'clock. They don't know. But right now, they're able to monitor the hearing and able, they're able to call in when, when and if they are needed. And I think that's a, an accommodation, an appropriate one to our city employees. Uh, and it's one that I would, I would want to, before we voted for this, I would want to ask the departments how it affects them uh, if we if we required uh, every everybody to be here in in person. Uh, so um, my view right now is very close to Commissioner Lemberg's to not move forward on this uh, at tonight's meeting. Anybody else? 
Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I, I have a tendency to agree with Commissioners uh, Lemberg and Trevina. Um, I do have some security concern um, because uh, the decision by the board was born out of bad acts that were taking place there. Um, I have been in an Eastern Neighborhoods Community Advisory Committee that was Zoom bombed, and it was a very disruptive and disturbing experience. And so we certainly need to have protocols in place to minimize any potential disruption that could occur. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, I do value people coming in, in public, and I do value when, uh, in particular, the, the city agencies and other, other folks whose profession it is to provide this information do come in public. But I do appreciate the availability of the public testimony that we've been able to receive as a result of the remote accommodation. And so I'm a little bit more on the fence of this, but I'm – don't – I mean – the, the argument to um, go to a full in-person has not been presented to us. We were just had it directed to us. And, you know, so, so to make that change in the absence of a rationale as to why we might do it, I'm hesitant to make a move, you know, perhaps at this time until that rationale has established itself. Michel Lopez. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I would say I'm... <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I guess I'm I'm a little bit. Uh, it, it's it sounds like I'm a little bit closer to Commissioner Epler's position of kind of seeing the 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 merit of of both sides. I do think that we lose something by not having folks here in person, and, and I think there's something to be said for. Um, as, as much as I, you know, celebrate and welcome public comment, I think sometimes we, we may have made it too easy for, for folks who, you know, maybe have only a marginal interest to, to chime in. And I think there's something to be said for requiring, you know, putting your boots on and making, <laughs> making your way to City Hall if you really have an interest in in the matter before us, um, and I think that something is lost when there, are, you know, communications issues and um, an inability to, you know, appreciate the the nuance of facial expressions and, and back and forth much more easily. Um, I think the the standard of in person or disability seems like like a pretty stark kind of binary uh, setup to me. Um, and I think, you know, just going back to a pre-COVID reality, um, you know, in, in a way kind of uh, overlooks some of the lessons of COVID, which, which, are the, which are that there are public health concerns, you know, other than that one specific uh, COVID uh, you know, era or breakout that, that, that you know, we're, we're thankfully uh, in much better shape, uh, you know, in, in terms of where we are now vis-a-vis -vis COVID. But um, I think if there is, if there is flexibility, which it sounds like this is uh, a directive, a request, not a mandate, um, then maybe a, a way to find a middle ground is to say, 
you know, presumption of in-person, but maybe we brought in uh, that exception to include other things other than disability um, accommodations needs. Um, because I do think that there is merit and in, in benefit to having folks uh, in the room uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, dialing in. Um, and yet, uh, you know, public health concerns, also, you know, life, life happens, circumstances happen, these things are scheduled in a way that doesn't, unlike with the parties, where there is, you know, input, I think there are scenarios too where life comes up for a member of the public, they didn't have a say on when our hearing would be scheduled, but it doesn't, uh, you know, take away from the fact that they do have a significant public interest, they do want to have uh, that point presented um, in a way that's, you know, more pronounced than just simply sending an email to be included in the packet in the record. Um, so I, 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 I feel like I, I can envision something with, you know, a pre, um, you know, prior request requirement or something like that with some exp explanation of those circumstances, um, something like that. Um, that's just thinking out loud, but, but uh, you know, default, in person, absent a disability, um, does seems like it, it's not um, taking account of the lessons learned from COVID and I think the benefits that we've seen where by and large, it has been, I think, a net positive um, without the same kind of Zoom bombing issues and other bodies of experience. So I think there may be a middle ground there. Commissioner Lambert? I just, I just want to add, I guess, I, I've been having a hard time forming this thought, but um, it was something along the lines of the fact that, you know, even though that the, the formal governmental health, public health emergency is over in, uh, in, in regards to COVID, I know several people with COVID right now as we speak, who, uh, as of today, COVID is not over. Um, it seems like it's here to stay. Um, but of course, as we all know, COVID is not the only uh, disease out there either. Um, respiratory illnesses have taken a pretty sharp spike up. Um, and I feel that a move to restrict remote public comment is in potentially encouraging people who do have a legitimate interest in a hearing to say, oh, I'm well, I really want to come to this hearing, so I'm going to come and potentially endanger the health of other people. Um, whereas if they have an option to just appear remotely for either as a party or as a public commenter, um, you know, that risk kind of dissipates um, because I think people know more or less at this point that if they have some sort of respiratory illness going on uh, that you avoid going out in public, uh, you go avoid going into public places with lots of people in them. Um, and, you know, these problems are not only not going away, but they seem to be getting worse um, ever 
ever increasingly worse. Um, and this is a society-wide issue. This isn't a San Francisco issue or a government issue or uh, you know, really anything specific to this body at all. Uh, but this is more just a, you know, a worldwide uh, everyone issue. Um, and again, it really just boils down to the fact that we already have all the technology in place and we um, have been successfully using it for three plus years, three and a half years at this point since the pandemic started. Um, I don't know, I, I wasn't here for what happened in March 2020, but uh, it is my understanding that the city picked up on its uh, technology requirements pretty quickly uh, when the pandemic started. And I, I just think it would be a shame to see all of that go away. Um, you know, I, I didn't, I, I, I certainly saw the uh, precipitating event that led to this at the Board of Supervisors. I didn't agree with it there either, though. Um, you know, we don't have any control over that, but it, it seems, you know, I, I, I'm just always going to be pro-access, pro-public, and um, even what Vice President Lopez suggested in regard to, you know, some sort of pre-registration um, requirement, you know, I feel like a lot of people kind of decide last minute that they want to, that they care about an issue or want to speak on an issue. Um, and that precludes those people's participation or they, you know, they test positive for COVID 20 minutes before the meeting starts. I mean, there's just so many potential things to consider here that I feel like setting any sort of rule up kind of gets in the way of. And I and I think the other the other question that we have to ask ourselves is do we have a different standard or a different rule for for the parties and the department heads versus the general public? Um, I do feel that you know the the general public um, we should have probably the least <clears throat> impediment to participation uh, that we can tolerate, um, and we can discuss what that level of toleration is. Um, but uh, for the for the parties and in the departments, it feels like you know perhaps there should be. Because you know those are the folks from which we do perhaps gain the most in terms of um, knowledge from their in-person presentation. We get the best interaction. They're the ones with which we need to have, you know, a better face-to-face -face experience. Um, perhaps there might be a difference in the way that we think about those two different groups. Um, that's why I've kind of held back. Um, I, I see merit in everybody's uh, commentary. Um, I think the, uh, I, I understand the commentary from uh, the commissioners who uh, the real life is that, yeah, you test positive at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and you want to talk, or you're listening to the hearing and you go, what? I need to comment. Um, and and I, I see your points. I see your points well, and I'm a little bit more flexible on that. Uh, what I, I, I think where I've had my biggest issues in the remote activity is the parties. Um, I think Commissioner Epler brings up the, my, my, my biggest uh, uh, issue is that I really think that the parties should be in the room um, and uh, presenting for all the reasons. I don't want to be redundant to everything you said. 
I, I agree with. So um, I, I would be a little bit more flexible on the, the points raised uh, by the other commissioners in support of keeping public comment open until we get into uh, a situation. Hopefully, we'll never get into that situation of having people be inappropriate. Um, uh, but what I would like the, the commission to consider is that we get the parties back in the room. If you had to be in, I'm not a lawyer, you guys are. You know, you're actually know what to do. You, you're actually trained to do something. Um, but if, if you were going to, uh, into a formal court situation, uh, you'd show up. Um, and um, because you are, you are principals and you would show up. Uh, you wouldn't call it in. So uh, I feel that this is a, f a formal situation that the parties um, have filed uh, one against the other or whatever. And uh, so I, I, I would like uh, to us to adjust that behavior back to the standard operating procedure that existed in this room uh, prior to COVID, and that is the, that the principal parties show up in person and, and if they would like to appeal or uh, ask for special consideration uh, for appropriate reasons, that, the, that they appeal to the executive director, executive director talks to the president, and the president um, deals with that request accordingly. But that would be a pretty, a pretty high bar. Um, so that's, uh, I, I would, that's, that's my point of view on this so far. Uh, Commissioner Trisvenia? Thank you, President Swig, particularly for considering and listening to the various perspectives that we have. I'm, I'm, if we, if we feel that we can just resolve this matter by solely dealing with the parties, I could see us doing something tonight. Otherwise, I think it would be appropriate to ask the staff to come up with some guidelines that takes into account the technology, the the issues of disability. I'm not sure how how the staff can say yes or no to someone who calls up and says, I have a disability. Is it a temporary disability? Is it an ADA recognized disability? Are, is she gonna be second guessed by, by, by someone? I, I, I wouldn't necessarily wanna put that burden on, but I think it's useful if we're gonna go down the road to then to really specify it takes some time to do that and i'm sure the city attorney would want to weigh in so yeah. i would, uh, I would sorry, urge you to are you uh when you're we we i think we are you relating to parties or are you relating to the the public at large when you when you say if somebody calls up and says i have a disability are you talking in I, this context I, th I think i think either one i i do think that Parties are able to have been able to adequately present themselves to to us and present their case uh, virtually. I also know that some of their experts, whether that's an attorney or whether it's an architect, may or may not be here in San Francisco. And if we're requiring the 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 expert to uh, to be here, that's an added cost for either a neighbor or either the appellant or or or, or the permit holder. So. I do think there are many values and many reasonable reasons to have and allow even the parties to be here virtually. And so I, I think it does, take, it does take some serious thought. I appreciate all of the serious thought that's been given. Thus, I'm suggesting that we 
have staff look at this and come back with a report to guide us forward. Commissioner, are you, thank you. Uh, Commissioner Lambert. Thank you. I just wanted to respond to something you said, President Swig, um, and um, as somebody who is both a practicing litigator who does cases in probably 20 different counties in California, um, and as somebody with an invisible disability with unpredictable symptoms and unpredictable uh, ways that it comes up in my life, um, one, I will say, nearly all of the state courts in California still provide, uh, it's almost exclusively on Zoom still, um, in almost every court in California. Um, it's, uh, I know, I believe federal courts have moved back to in-person, but uh, state courts have not, large, uh, by and large. Um, and in regard to the disability portion, uh, you know, I've always known that it was possible to uh, request disability accommodations. I'm an attorney, I went to law school, I know the law on this, I know how it works, I know how the systems work, uh, I'm in a very privileged position with that. That being said, um, if I had to do that process every time I wanted to appear uh, remotely to a proceeding rather than just having the option or actually in many cases the, um, the deep, by default being able to appear remotely in court, not to mention the geographical portion of it that I appear in court in Los Angeles or San Jose or all these places that are not geographically close to where I am here in San Francisco. Um, not even counting the geographical piece to it, we're hoping that most of the people involved in most of the things here are in, indeed in San Francisco. Um, but some property owners don't live in San Francisco. Uh, a lot of the attorneys aren't in San Francisco uh, who appear before us. Many, most of them are, I would say, but not all of them. Um, and, you know, I, it is... Although it provides, uh, although disability accommodations do provide a path for disabled people to receive those accommodations, um, it's putting a, quite a bit of burden on them. And I, you know, I, and again, if we just have it available by default, that burden is dissipated. It disappears. Um, it's not. It's no longer a, a burden. It's no longer a, a hurdle for people to overcome. And being disabled is not the only valid reason why you wouldn't want to uh, appear, why, why you would want to appear remotely. And that applies to parties as well. Department had, uh, department representatives, I mean, in my experience, they always show up in person anyway. I don't, I mean, with a few notable exceptions when we had the, the Sunset uh, Toxics case, when we had all sorts of you know, unusual uh, or not our usual set of, of governmental agencies appearing here. Um, but for that second hearing, they actually did all come anyway. Uh, the, and the only reason they didn't for that first hearing was because it was kind of a last minute request that we had, had kind of sprung upon them uh, that they appear. Um, and they did appear the second time. So department heads seem, I mean, the practice seems to be that they show up in person anyway. I've never seen Mr. Green or Ms. Tam uh, or Mr. Buck appear on Zoom. They're always here in person. Um, and if they were unwell but had a case on the agenda, I'd want them to, I, I would much prefer that they be able to appear remotely than we have to reschedule the hearing and inconvenience all the rest of the people involved in that case too. Um, and that's a, a very real practical consideration too. 
um, you know, if they have a light cold and don't want to come in and get everybody sick, but, uh, you know, and can still otherwise testify, but just don't want to do it in the hearing room, I would so much rather have that. Um, and that's even for the department heads who I think are under the most duty to appear in person. And, and again, I, I agree with what other commissioners have said. I vastly prefer it when people show up in person. I, I definitely don't want to discourage anyone from appearing in person. And I do think it often has a greater impact on us as a body when, when somebody does appear in person as opposed to appearing remotely. Not to say that it has any less weight or that we don't consider what people appearing remotely say, but it is, you know, we get that human connection aspect when people appear in person that is more challenging to get uh, with remote appearances. But uh, that, what we're being asked to do is set a policy as to what can or cannot be done here, uh, both in regard to public comment and in regard to department, uh, department representatives and to parties and just having that option. And again, I encourage anybody who has a case before us to appear in person if you can. I, that's, I think, I, I think we all agree on that, uh, on that point. The question is whether we need, should require them to show up in person uh, and make them jump through hoops if they don't or cannot appear in person. And, and that, to me, is what the issue before us is. Commissioner Lopez? Um, <clears throat> I guess before I chime in again, a couple of points of, of information. Um, what's the, the binding nature of this action? Could we take an action tonight and iterate in a couple of meetings? We're not changing any rules technically because we never did modify the rules to allow for remote participation. It's been a practice. We could take a motion and it would... It would just indicate the board's direction, um, you know, what they want to allow. I mean, or you could do nothing, and we can continue with the status quo. But if you want to make an affirmative motion, you can. Um, is it is it binding? I don't think so, really. It's just kind of setting forth the board's position. Right. And if you later want to change it, if circumstances change, you can do that. And if you act, want to modify the written rules, there are some procedures we have to go through. There's 10 days notice, et cetera, et cetera. We'd have to publish it. But right now, I think we're ju you're just making, you would be expressing the board's position on whether or not to allow remote public comment, remote participation by the parties and department representatives. Right. I guess, <clears throat> thank you, uh, what the, the outcome that, that, that makes sense to me that I'll throw out there is um, I do think there's a distinction between parties, departments, and the public. Um, with respect to parties, I, I don't see it as too much of a hoop or a barrier to uh, express the policy that they're expected to be here in person and if they have a disability or another extenuating circumstance that they have to let us know beforehand that they can't be here in person. I think the parties are uh, engaged with us to schedule the hearings. They have to provide their availability uh, for the hearing and I think we can communicate to them that hey there's an expectation 
that you be at the hearing in person. And if that uh, expectation cannot be met, you have to let us know beforehand. That doesn't seem like too much to ask to me. Um, I think similarly with respect to the departments, at least with our, you know, frequent customers, um, it doesn't seem too, too much to ask to me for them to be expected to be here in person, absent extenuating circumstances. I think there, there's even a dis- distinction that can be drawn as between, again, the frequent customers of planning, DBI, uh, you know, uh, DPA, uh, yeah, uh, buff, you know, the, the frequent, the usual suspects. As, as compared to uh, a, a department that's maybe not, you know, directly, like that's a, a, that's a department that representative who's coming in in, in an analogous, uh, you know, role is, is, is that had by an expert witness, but not the direct department in question uh, that's, you know, related to the, to the permit, the, to the underlying permit. But for, for those parties, essentially, those frequent, uh, frequent flyers that are directly tied to, that issued the permit, essentially, I don't think it's too much to ask to have them be here in person. I do think, you know, back to uh, Commissioner Lumberg's point, we, we have had a number of, of times when the departments with the permit in, in, in question before us they you know they're appearing remotely. I do think we lose something when they're not here in the room with us. Um, and I think that's another one that I would say and it's analogous to a direct you know appellant or a permit holder uh, who's you know presumably in the loop with with scheduling and would have the opportunity to say, hey, I, I actually can't do it on the 13th because I have to be at my daughter's graduation or whatever the, the, the situation is, um, can I dial in? Or the day before, hey, I, I tested positive with COVID, can I dial in? I don't think it's too much to ask those types of folks. I do think, I am convinced that uh, we have the technology and we haven't had the issues that the, the Board of Supervisors have had, uh, has had with respect to uh, disturbances in public comment, and I am convinced of the, I think we have had that situation in the two years that I've been here, two plus years, where where there's someone who's watching us live and says, hey, wait a second, I've got, I've got a point of clarification on this matter that you're discussing right now, and, I, and it has been valuable um, in, in, in certain uh, matters before us to have that, that live input from someone who uh, you know, sua sponte has, has something to, to, to add. Um, so I guess the, the, the kind of, you know, portrait that I'm starting to see is making a distinction between parties, uh, departments that are directly related to the permit, um, these, you know, as, as opposed to members of the public, as opposed to uh, expert witnesses, of the parties who frequently aren't based in San Francisco, for example, and and I do think, um, you know, particularly for folks who, for whom 
even getting counsel uh, to help them out with, uh, with an appeal is, is not financially viable uh, to them, for them to then be expected to pay for the expert to you know, fly or drive you know, to San Francisco to appear, that's, that starts to become pretty burdensome in my opinion. So I am convinced that even uh, you know, witnesses of a party uh, you know, we can maybe make the default, um, you know, remote optional um, for those folks. Commissioner Trezvina. Thank, thank you, President Swigan. I, I agree with many of, of uh, Vice President Lopez's good, good ideas and, and, and questions here. I note in the agenda, it says the mayor's office has further directed that all presenters from departments shall attend commission meetings in person. That sounds to me that that's not a, it's not a question for us. That the mayors or the department's employees, they get to decide that. So that's not something that we have on our plate. The rest of the issues, as we continue to talk about different nuances and different experiences, I think, and, and, and given that this is going to restrict the members of the public in some way, I think it would be appropriate if we, um, and I would move that the president and staff work together and come back with recommendations on a response to this request, separately deline delineating rules for parties, witnesses, and members of the public. So um, a couple of things caught my, my attention, my ears. Um, Ms. Rosenberg, you said that our rules haven't changed uh, pre-COVID, that, that we accommodated in the context of a pandemic a change of procedure. So do you happen to have our rules about showing up or not showing up, just so we know what the rules are, even though we may or may not have abided by them? Just just so we know. I mean, it would that, that's a good baseline, I think. And by the way, guys, I'm not, I'm not using this to advocate a position. I just I, really would like to know what the rules are so we all know. So I, I think I can speak to that. I have the board's rules. Okay. Um, what about that? Here, it doesn't say anything about the how parties shall appear. It's silent on that. I think that you know, pre-COVID, it was assumed that it was in person. That was right. a given. And when the pandemic hit, it was changed as a policy or a practice. But the rules were not formally amended. So the rules are silent on this. Great. Uh, just so we know, that's important. All right? So um, what I've heard from this commission is that uh, I, I'm hearing that the public should not be restricted, and um, and and I honor those. I hear I use these things on either side of my head, these ears, and I like to listen. And and I I'm hearing that uh, the the commission uh, uh, feels strongly that the public should be given every opportunity to to comment. And I would only place that the 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 obvious caveat is that if a member of the public becomes abusive or otherwise inappropriate, uh, that we have the opportunity of cutting them off. Um, I don't think I'll have an argument there. 
Um, with regard to staff, I'm, I'm heeding uh, Commissioner Trezina's reading of, uh, of the mayor's direction to staff that they have to show up, um, which is consistent with our practices um, pre-COVID. Okay, so I think that's, that's, that's piece number two. Piece number three are the parties. Um, I, I'm hearing that work, uh, Commissioner Lemberg stated, let me paraphrase Commissioner Lemberg, if you disagree, yell at me. Um, that, that Commissioner Lemberg stated that uh, he, he feels it would be, he would be more effective with parties in the room. Um, uh, I, a position that I would adamantly take, by the way. I am far more effective, and therefore I serve the public much better when the parties are in the room for a variety of, of reasons. And it was past practice that parties were in the room. It was just past practice. That's what it was. It wasn't a rule. It was just it was a given that parties show up. So if the commissioners feel that uh, that 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 they are more effective with the parties in the room that would for me uh, lead to we do our job better with parties in the room and um and although i i'm not sure i would make it a hard and fast rule i think that i i would suggest that it is past practice that parties um showed up to 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 make their presentation in in person uh for the the betterment of the the ability of the commissioners to do their job and for the betterment of the public to get the the best possible hearing so i i i would like to go in that direction however um uh under with the understanding that if a hardship uh is presented to a party and they are precluded from getting a fair hearing that that hardship, hardship be noted to the executive director who, um, who, as, as I think suggested by Commissioner Trezvigne, would bring it up to the, the president of the board, um, whether it be me or, or, or my successor, and that the, the executive director and the president of the board would, uh, as we do with hearing dates, um, re render an, an opinion um, uh, uh, fairly and appropriately. So that's, that's what I'm hearing. That's kind of where I'm standing. Um, and I, I wouldn't mind if somebody said, okay, uh, can we think about it for a couple of weeks and agendize this again and, and come back and have a, a review of this? Or I would, I would, I would accept a request from Commissioner Trezvina that the president and uh, at the recommendation or with the collaboration with the executive director uh, and with the executive director's initiative actually come up with a, after hearing this discussion, come up with a, a direction, not rules, not rules, but a suggested direction uh, for this commission that we can further discuss and, um, and, and go along with I'm staying away from the word approve. I'm staying away from the word mandate, but just the understanding that that would be the practice. So maybe we want to go in that direction. Uh, that that's where I'm. You know, that's what I'm hearing. 
that's what I'm feeling. That's my opinion. Um, Commissioner Lemberg, would you like to comment on, on those feelings and uh, direction? Um, first, I, I agree with everything you said about uh, characterizing what I said, except that uh, I, I do, you know, while I, I do have those strong feelings that uh, it is more effective if people appear in person, uh, I do not think it should be a requirement. That is, uh, that's the only exception that I take to what you said. Um, would would, I, would, would uh, a, a request and a general practice, can it, be, can it be characterized as a request and a general practice? I, I mean, I see no issue in formalizing a policy that says, if it is feasible, please show up in person. I have no, no problem with that at all. Um, but as far as, you know, the procedure for a party who which it sounds like is the major um, sticking point here is what, uh, what, how it applies to parties. Um, as far as the procedure for what a party wants to do if they would like to appear remotely, I am just in favor of not adding new barriers to that. Uh, that's basically the, the essence of, of my opinion on this. Um, I, I do agree with what Commissioner Trezvina said about uh, it seeming more like a, a mandate to the department employees, uh, at least that are city department employees under the purview of the mayor, which is not all departments, I will add, but it is most of them, the planning, DBI, buff, those are under the purview of the mayor for sure, all the ones that we see here most frequently, um, but not like, for example, when we had the state agencies, those Agencies are not affected by the, uh, any mandate that the mayor's office puts down because uh, those are state agencies, et cetera. Um, so what I would like to do is break this down into three pieces. One is public comment access, one is parties, and one is, uh, is the department chairs. I agree with, again, I agree with Commissioner Chesvenia that I don't think we need to speak as to the department heads, I think the mayor has uh, the ability to do that, uh, to, to speak as to that. And I don't think we as a, as a commission need to set policy in regard to that, um, which leaves public comment and, uh, and, and the parties. Um, I, I would be supportive of a motion from Commissioner Shazvinia regarding a, a kind of a staff report on, on the impact of parties uh, and like what the different options are for future consideration. Um, and I would also, and I might even do this uh, since I wanna, the, the reason I'm breaking this down is because, uh, you know, it, it sounds like there's consensus that we want to maintain public comment access remotely. Um, and I would be fine making a motion to do that, to, to, to keep that practice or enshrine that, uh, that access today um, if, if there's consensus to do so. Um, what, what I would like to do, what I would like to suggest and do uh, is ask a favor of the, uh, not a favor, but ask the, uh, we're going to ask her to do it anyway, the executive uh, director to um, take a stab at la some language um, in the spirit of Commissioner Lemberg unless there's adamant, at this moment, adamant pushback from members of the, 
the commission um, with regard to again three buckets the 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 uh, city departments have to be here the public can do it remotely or they can come in in person and um, and and the third thing uh, I'll let her come up with it uh, but it we would that we would encourage parties encourage parties uh, to present in person not mandate not require not put a rule around it but encourage parties for the betterment of the hearing and the public uh, encourage parties to present in person and that we leave the rules alone because Ms. Huber just read the rules and she said it doesn't say anything about what we do so I'd like to leave the rules alone because they are what they are and just um, come up with a statement of purpose uh, or a, a statement of direction uh, that, that addresses those three buckets in the way that I just uh, suggested and that we take a, another run at this as an agendized item soon. Uh, the world is not going to end if we don't get it in the next time uh, or the time after, but I think uh, we should close the issue, not make it a rule, not make it a mandate, uh, just make it a general direction. It is the general direction of the commission that, and uh, Ms. Rosenberg can fill in the blanks. Okay, so, you so we have a, a general policy and a general direction. Is that okay? Uh you just want me to come up based on the conversation tonight with some language for a motion, yeah. basically, which would allow remote public comment and encourage the parties to participate in person and yeah. not address the department, the department, staff, has department representative. Out of our, you know, I think you, you might acknowledge that the, it has been the mayor's position that the, that the department heads are required to be here, but it's, that's out of our jurisdiction because she's the boss. Um, the other two issues we can address, we've already addressed those, and come up with some language uh, as a direction, uh, an advisory, a whatever, we'll figure out the words so that we, we can communicate, so that you can communicate to the parties what the expectations are. It, is, it would be our expectation, my view, our expectations that parties show up in person. That's not a mandate, that's not a requirement, that is a an expectation. expectation and a preference right I think and the parties want to and if they don't please. if they don't want to or they think it's a hardship then let them not show up and we're we'll be fine with that but I'd like to I think it's I think it's the direction of the Commission that we do a, a better job seeing people in person um, if I may I, I'm, I'm fine punting this a little bit and not voting on it tonight um, my one concern with uh, not enshrining a policy, particularly in regard to uh, remote public comment, is that the technology could then be pulled from us, um, pulled out from underneath us. And uh, if we don't make a change to the rules, that right disappears by default. Um, I think that is a possibility. I don't know if that would happen or not, but I think it could happen. I, I think if, if we make a motion that it is the direction at, uh, on, on the date that we do it, it is the direction of the Board of Appeals Commission that 
uh, the public be uh, can ha can have access either remotely or in person to public comment. Uh, nobody better pull the plug on us, or else well, I, pro there might be a problem. Legally, the board is required to allow access for disability, so yeah. the technology will remain yeah, regardless. Exactly. Okay. All right. Yeah. I I don't think we got to go. I don't think we have to go hard and fast. I like direction. So, why don't you let, uh, w with your permission, if we can let Ms. Rosenberg uh, take a stab at it, we can agendize it as necessary. As agendizing it, we will take public comment on this, remote public comment for that matter, or in person. Uh, then we will uh, we'll, we'll hone in on this. And, uh, and hear from the public as well. And I think it's fair. In the meantime, uh, no harm, no foul, nothing's changed. And um, we can just get some clarification and, and, and arms around this. Okay, so the main point in continuing this is so that we could tighten up the language Ex of the board's position, yeah. which we seem to have arrived at tonight. Right. Okay. A, ge a general policy of the board. The general policy mm -hmm. of the board is this direction. And okay. I, I'm not going to fill in the blanks because Julie's going to help us with that. And when would you, or well, when would you like it to continue to? Um, uh, when when the agenda uh, is uh, allows. And okay. It could, be, could be next. Uh, sometime week. in January. We only have one more hearing left in December, and we're going to be busy next week. All right. In January is fine. Okay. Wonderful. All right. So I will. I don't. Uh, I don't even about? think we need a motion to continue no. this or anything. I have one thing I'd, I'd like to add if it's not a too much of a barrier for for my fellow commissioners but I, I think I would like to with that policy guidance that we express I think I would like to make explicit that um, the witnesses the party's witnesses you know don't have the kind of same level of expectation of being in the room as as the parties themselves Can I ask the, the logic behind that? Uh, I think what we've discussed about uh, experts and um, you know folks who who the parties um, are asking to speak on their behalf. I think it it can be. I think it it can lead to to. Um, to just less less color being presented if we're we're saying that hey, you and all your friends have to show up too. Um, yeah, but remember, I, I purposely used it, it is the expectation that parties. I that no mandate. So if it's the expectation that that doesn't mean the parties have to show up in person. We're not mandating anything. We're just expressing our preference. Yeah. And so I don't think that if we went into, with all due respect, um, we don't have to do that. What you're, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. We just don't have to deal with it because it's, it, we're really playing softball here yeah. by saying it is the expectation, uh, if that n indeed turns out to be the word that, that Julie suggests. Yeah. Yeah, I think it... Um, I just don't want to overkill. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. I think... I think um, I think it's worth. In, in my mind, I would like, I would like the party to understand that um, if they do have 
an architect or a member of the public who's informed on it and who they would like to speak and appear on their behalf, that just because they're, that expert is in New York that they can't, they're not expected to fly somebody out, for example. Good feedback and Julie can, can yeah. work that in. Okay, we do. We have to public uh, unless there's yes, we do have to do public comment. But Commissioner Trezvino, I, I, I just want to I want to thank you for so well encapsulating all of our views and 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 in anticipation of Julie's work on this. Thank you as well. I think this really does meet our obligations to consider it that the mayor sent over, as well as taking into account the uh, the interests of public comment in general, but also individual mem members of, of the public and parties who are often just neighbors and they they don't anticipate ever having to be part of this but they are yep. i appreciate your uh, accommodating it fully fully addresses the, the the points that i raised earlier thank, thank you. you thank you very much uh, we need to take public comment yes. on this item yes okay so is there any public comment on this item please raise your hand i see some people in zoom if you want to provide public comment on this item, please raise your hand. Did anyone in the in the queue, Mr. Curitan, Mr. Patterson, or Mr. Carter? Okay, I think they just wanted to listen and listen in and not provide public comment. So, I guess that concludes the hearing. So, no vote is required. No. No action is required at this time because we've deferred that action until, uh, at the request of the board, Ms. Rosenberg comes up with suggested language for the for the future hearing. Okay, and we'll just put it on an agenda in January. Yep. Uh, with that, I think we're done for the evening. Yes, we are. Thank uh, you. We're done. Thank you very much.